Welcome to Drinks with Defenders. I'm Addie B. Plate. And I'm Kayla Murphy. We're two law school friends turned criminal defense attorneys turned podcast hosts. We're here in this space because we now work in separate offices and miss collaborating with each other. We've been talking about creating a podcast for years where we talk about the complexities of the criminal justice system, the aspects of it that we grapple with, and the importance of what we do. At the end of a long work week, we want to sit down, have a drink with each other, and talk about the rabbit holes of criminal defense, just like we always have. So let's get into it. Cheers. Welcome to Drinks with Defenders. My name is Addie B. Plate. A little housekeeping before we jump in. As a friendly reminder, please feel free to support us on Patreon. We are on all of the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Audible, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Deezer, Podbean, and even Samsung. You can find us there. Keep up with us and what we're doing on your favorite social media and find out what's going on with the podcast. The best way to get a hold of us is at our email, which is drinkswithdefenders at gmail.com. Aside from that, uh, what's going on this week, Kayla? What are we drinking on Drinks with Defenders this week? I mean, so theoretically, ideally, (laughs) right? We're drinking um, Salty Dogs. Addie, tell me more. This was your amazing idea. So the topic for the night is, is public defense crisis or like the public defender crisis. And affectionately, public defenders and I guess criminal defense attorneys are known as like bulldogs in the courtroom, right, Kayla? Like that's something you've definitely been called at some point in your career or aspire to be called at some point in your career. Um, Kayla and I, I'm Kayla, I don't want to steal your thunder on this, but I think like no, it's hard as an attorney to get to the grocery store at the end of a long day. So if you are not new here, you know that sometimes we have really high aspirations with our cocktails. <laughs> And we've had a couple episodes where we've just been drinking IPAs. That happened tonight and we did not want that. So the themed cocktail that we decided on was a salty dog, which is a greyhound, which is my favorite cocktail that I had in law school. It's fresh squeezed, um, preferably fresh squeezed grapefruit juice because canned grapefruit juice is not good. And vodka. What makes it a salty dog is it has a salted rim and that just adds an element of cool... Um, and it sounds a lot more like something a public defender would drink with it being a salty dog. And I think that we are kind of salty dogs. I mean, we're bitter about work. We're bitter about stuff. Our clients are bitter. So I think adding the salt makes it a little <laughs> bit more appropriate. That being said, I did not get to the grocery store this week. So also, if you're not new here, apparently my role on this podcast has become an unofficial IPA review woman. So I am drinking... The Brick by Brick India Pale Ale from Brick West Brewing Company, which is in my neighborhood of Spokane, Washington. That is my neighborhood brewery. Highly recommend. Not an advertisement for them or a plug or anything. Kayla, what are you drinking? I just finished a White Claw Peach Seltzer, which was fabulous. Heck yeah, I, she did. 
Oh my God. I had not had the peach before. 10 out of 10. Um, now I'm on to drink number two. We're staying in the kind of seltzer family, but now I've got the truly OG lemonade. Um, yeah. The You're a truly, truly queen. You're the I truly really queen. Mm, the strawberry lemonade though. Best, best of all time. Heard it here, um, guys. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, we're drinking. Like, what are we, what are we drinking about? How's your week been so far? Oof. Um, well, I think it's probably appropriate to say, considering the topic and and subject material for the evening. Also, just I'm gonna go out of out of the way to flag this for everybody. I think that tonight might be a little bit of a heavier episode because I, I think that I try to make what I do exciting and try to point out the things that we find interesting and stuff. And I think that we really don't want our jobs to just seem like a downer all the time, but this job is hard. And I think I've I've been pretty transparent about that, but it comes in waves of what feels crushing in in your workload. I mean, sometimes you just get heavier cases. Sometimes certain things aren't resolving. So then your cases just stack up. You have things left set for trial. Sometimes you just have difficult dynamics with your clients, whatever it may be. And I don't know why, but really this past week has just felt impossible in terms of getting all of the things that I want to get done, done. Also trying to prioritize, you know, my headspace, trying to find time for me and balance and my friends. And I, you know, have been really busy the last couple of weeks. So playing catch up has been really hard. Um, There's also just, I think as a new attorney, so much comparison that like happens, like you're so busy in your caseload and then you go to court and you just see other people having things go smoother for them. And it just kind of makes you feel bad. And that's also been happening for me and just feeling kind of stuck in some ways and stuck with certain cases in some ways, like not being able to problem solve in the way that I would like to. So yeah, it's been kind of hard. Admittedly, like I just feel kind of exhausted and incredibly frustrated. I think, you know, Kayla, we talked before we started recording this episode. I just feel really angry at different components of, I guess, the system, but also just the world that have added to the stress that has now become my stress. Because as we talk about on this podcast, we wear our clients' stress. And so there's just certain things that I'm realizing in cases that I have right now that are just making me so mad and emotional. And I have just felt like at any point, I could just start crying because I'm not even just sad about something, but just frustrated and exhausted and feeling stuck. So that was a, that was a really probably long answer for what you were asking, but that's that's the honest one. Um and you know, my my logical brain knows that it's okay to feel that way. Um but my attorney brain is really hard on myself for feeling that way. Um my constant strive to be good at my job and just be you know, I have that competitive aspect of me. I think all people who choose this profession do that we are our own worst critics. And so, you know, my logical brain knows that I feel this, it's okay to feel this way. And then I'm making myself feel this way. And that like, there's other components as to why I feel this way, but 
it just sucks sometimes to be kind of the cog in the system and being the person that's trying to stop some of the stuff that you feel like shouldn't be happening and feeling really, at the end of the day, powerless and like you're just the person holding back the floodgate in someone's life. It feels that way. So, and also trying to, you know, maintain your own life and balance and mental health and well being. It's, it's damn near impossible. And um, hopefully I get better at, you know, I talk about the things on this podcast that I want to get better at as an attorney. And I want to get better at um, understanding why I feel this way sometimes and how to, how to navigate it in a different way. But I've also come to accept that it's, I might feel this way for a while. So, um, and I might feel this way off and on for the rest of my career. And that's okay. On that note, Kayla, how are you? I, I hate to, I just, I just I dumped on you. So if you want to come in here and be like, I'm great, like no hard feelings on that. But if you also want to come and play misery, misery's company with me, be my, be my guest. Oh, I apologize. I'm like, I'm getting emotional. Just, just hearing you. Um, it just breaks my heart that you, somebody who I love so much and he's such a good person is like suffering and yeah, like, I'm very familiar with that suffering and it fucking sucks, dude. It yeah. sucks. It, it's just, it's just, I appreciate that you allow me to just, you sit in the suck with me as a good friend. And I feel like we sit in the suck with each other. Um, and also part of me feeling this way is because I'm sitting in the suck with all of my clients and their families and their friends and the people that are depending on me to help them. And like, well, you're going to make me cry. This, I guess it's the first cry of the podcast. Um, <laughs> it's, I knew this episode was going to be hard and I knew that you would understand what it's like to feel this way. Um, and I just appreciate you saying that because I've, I've been there when you have felt this way. Um, this is just, this is just hard. Um, yeah. So, so thank you for saying that and acknowledging that and allowing me to <laughs> start this podcast on this really heavy personal note. And it, it's, I think it goes to show that, you know, this work is so hard that like you feel this way because you, you relate to it because you have felt this way before yeah. and that feeling will never go away. You will remember, like, I will remember feeling this way for the rest of my life that I have oh, felt this yeah, way. Oh, yeah, Having, like, PTSD right now, like, hearing you talk. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it, it really does, like, feel like you're drowning in misery. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, the high, like, when you can get a good result for somebody who really appreciates it, that's so special. And I yeah. just wish that we could like keep that warmth and like love and just like purpose with us all the time. But it just, it fades so quickly and it's then just replaced by the fucking misery and unwinnable battles. I was really vibing with what you were saying earlier about like just being mad at the world almost in a sense and it's like I get it it's like society created so many of these problems and like our client uh, so many of you know public defense clients are just like 
you know, on the edges of society, just trying to make it. And they're dealing with a lot of issues and don't have that safety net. Um, it's, it's brutal to just like yeah. bear witness to that suffering day in and day out. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> doesn't um, have to be okay. Like, yeah, it, you know, it's not. And like, that's, I'm getting better about like telling people in my life, like I am not okay because like work is really not okay. And I don't want my work to be my life, but it is a huge part of my life. And I really do care about what I do. And I really care about the people that I have privilege of representing. Um, And you just said it, like stuff is unwinnable and accepting that is so hard. Hold on, my Amazon is like talking at me. Can you hear that? Yes, yeah, I can. It's okay. Um, okay. Take, um, take, take your time. It's okay. Like, we're in no rush to Alexa, do anything. Shut up. <laughs> Don't yell at her. She's going to roll the she's world also, one day. She's also an Aussie. But anyway, so she's talking to me with her cute little accent. Okay. Can we keep that in? Yes. <laughs> I think I have her set to an Australian accent because I was like, if she's going to talk to me, at least I want it to sound like nice. Um, so, um, okay. So what I was, was going to say is that, I mean, I, Kayla, I don't want to like be the person, I don't know if you want this on the podcast, but you know, you've kind of taken a different career pivot and I know every aspect of being an attorney, no matter what type of law you're practicing, I think whatever environment you're practicing in, you have stuff that feels like how I feel right now. But like, what is the happiness with it? Because like you just said, I really wish I could hold on to the things that feel good. And I really try to, and I try to you know, document the things that feel memorable and special about my job because that keeps the light on. But like in... In your, you know, new adventure, um, what are you finding to be the stuff that doesn't feel heavy, if that makes sense? I mean, it's I know it's new, so I don't know if you have an answer for that. But I think that it's important, like, you know, we're going to go back and listen to this podcast one day. And I want you to have the opportunity to remember what it was like when you started something new and had the thing that felt lighter out in the open. So, so what's feeling good in your life right now? So I'm on day three of my (laughs) new job (laughs) and I definitely think that lighter is the word. And that's not to say that there won't be tremendous stress down the line with things like deadlines or, you know, upcoming trials, but like, Nobody's going to fucking jail, dude. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And just like having that burden off my shoulders is a lot. Yeah. And um, our wonderful producer, Clark, and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. And um, yeah, we're just going through like a, a similar transition right now. What am I trying to say? I I was struck by something Clark was talking about just like regarding 
clients and working with really difficult subject matter and just having like secondary trauma. Yeah. And he had mentioned that he, you know, Clark, I hope this is okay. There's like saying this, but like that you were just like, you know, sitting outside and it just like dawned on you that like you didn't have like that overwhelming like burden on your shoulders. Like, and it almost came as a surprise. And I had like a very similar thing happen to me. Um, yesterday I was sitting outside with one of my lovely new coworkers who is just so cool. She said she listens to podcasts. So yay! if you check this out, hi, I think you're lovely. And I felt that just like so much lighter. Yeah. Like just like a, a darkness has lifted or something like, it's just like you get used to it and you almost don't realize it you know what I mean yeah until it's gone yeah and I think that's like what I'm starting to realize it's almost like this just like I don't even know if I would say weight because sometimes it feels heavy but it's just like almost like this fog is kind of in my life now with just Mm -hmm. with people's trauma and the trauma and also like not only am I wearing their stress and trauma but I'm also getting traumatized by other people like the things I see and look at and do every single day. Yeah, it's traumatic. And um and like you know, I chose this. I will continue choosing this. I love this. I really do. But it is it's hard. And it's you really have to have a calling for it because otherwise like what the fuck are you doing working in criminal defense if you're not just down for hell or high water. Um, and so for you, I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that because I think that you are an incredibly, um, what's the word I want to use? I've, I've always felt like you are a ray of sunshine to be around as a person. And I think that, um, just, I think the last bit of, you know, your time in criminal defense just really, made you so sad and just downtrodden and and, and, and and an anxious mess. And like, I feel that way about myself right now. And so I'm just glad that not only are you finding people you like in your new workspace, that's amazing. Spoiler alert, not all attorneys like other attorneys. So having people that you like in your workspace is amazing. Um, and then also just feeling, I hope you feel excited about your work and like just at peace, you know? So, um, I'm sure it's scary learning new things and like figuring all that out and, yeah. and you know, the, the billable hour scary, <laughs> the idea of billable hours I know, scares I know, the I know. shit out of me. But, yeah. That's um, my biggest fear too. Yeah. It's going to be so, okay. Like, yeah, it's new. I feel like a baby attorney. I feel like I just got out of law school because like, I could tell you about DUIs, like, like that or whatever oh, right but can. it's like we did that fully... already. Yeah. <laughs> but like I went into like a tailspin like when they were talking to me about cross claims and interpleader I'm like oh my fucking god like I'm in civil procedure yikes <laughs> and I am so hard class You're that was a hard class again fighting for your damn life <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly fucking right dude and um you know to be honest with you, like, I 
thought it would be more boring than it actually is. Good. Like, it's actually pretty interesting. And contracts was like one of my favorite classes in law school. And I got to work on a contract today. And it was like, oh, you don't love contracts? No, that was my worst class in law school. (laughs) What? Um, Dude, I took it twice. I have no shame in admitting that. I took it twice. It was terrible. I was so bad at it. And then when I was studying for the bar, back to what I just said, like I was in civil procedure fighting for my damn life, my one hour. Oh my God. And I still don't think I ever <laughs> understood it. And then when I was studying for the bar and I was taking all of my like math like tests, like leading up to it, I was scoring really high in civil procedure, but I never got any better at contracts. Contracts just, I am. I am a flat line on an operating table in contracts. Like, do not put me in there. Like, there's no <laughs> pulse in contracts. Good for you because I I could never. I took sales my you last could. year to try to understand some of contracts even more. And I'm, you know, you know who would agree with you on this podcast? And it's a shame that she's not here tonight. KP, KP? is so good at contracts and understands the use. Yes, drink to her. Um, and so she fun. understands like the she understands the UCC better than anybody I've ever known, like a freaking psychopath. But yeah, it's a no for me. So on that note, I'm, well, I'm taking a drink to that because I just got, you got PTSD from my, <laughs> my, my experiences. I just got PTSD from thinking Oof. about like offer acceptance, rejection, counter offers, all uh-uh. Stop! I can't eat B-plates. <laughs> I'm just shocked. <laughs> Back into the heavy stuff. We 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 had a little, you know, we needed a little comedic relief. But back into the heavy stuff. Um, the public defense crisis. Let's let's talk about it. Um, I think it's important to you know start out at the you know the outset by saying I don't think it's a new thing that you know public defense is in crisis. I think that's just it should be something that has you know become common knowledge or at least it's I feel like it's getting more traction in the news and there's been lawsuits about it from states to state and um in, in when we were in law school my well when we were in law school and then my last year of law school because Kelly finished um ahead of me there was all sorts of stuff that was coming out about public defense in Oregon um so I, I guess to ask you Kayla What do we know about the public defense crisis in terms of just like the intro um, baseline facts that like what is known about the public defense crisis from an entry level, like dipping your toe into the pool standpoint? I mean, I think like what is a public defender? Yeah. Right. Like let's start Um, there. Okay. Well, um, how have we not broken this down before? Uh, now I'm like, oh, maybe I should actually tell people who I am and what I do. Um, <laughs> so I think it's important to start with maybe like the concept of appointed counsel and then go from there. So um, in the United States, people have a right to an attorney. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But um, basically, if you qualify, if your case qualifies for the type of case where you could have 
counsel appointed to you, should you not be able to afford an attorney, you can apply for a court-appointed attorney. Um, and those, in most instances, it's based off of um, poverty guidelines. So people's income levels, people's um, debt gets factored into that, people's um, cost of their house. Like in Idaho, you have an application you fill out and it asks a bunch of questions. And it's important to, I guess, also point out that when people apply, apply for a public defender, at least in Idaho, I'm assuming it's common practice everywhere, you can't lie on the application. So if you're applying for um, the assistance of counsel, um, it comes with the penalty of perjury, which um, is a crime. It's you know being dishonest with the court. So people apply, say you get you know charged with a misdemeanor, you then apply for, or, you know, a felony, you apply for an, um, an attorney to be uh, appointed to you at no expense. And so um, public defenders such as myself work in um, offices where there is a public defender who's usually the the um, top of the uh, food chain in the office. So ours is count by county in Idaho. I think that's pretty common in most places in the U.S. So I work in a county public defender's office. What that means is that there's a head of the office who is the public defender. And then there's a group of attorneys that work under that public defender who are also, you know, attorneys who have the title of deputy public defender, um, which is myself and all of my colleagues that share that title and people all over the country that share that title. And um, so you work in a public defender's office. Oregon, I know, has... um, kind of a different model in terms of how they do some of the stuff that is more... So people might be more familiar with that model um, where they have... Uh, oh, what's the word? Um, like not, contract uh, public yes, defenders. But they also have like the... Um, oh, what's it? it starts with a C. Um, oh, I'm going to mess it up. Um, I mean, it basically comes down to, to contracts. And then um, there can be like you know, private attorneys who take public defense contracts, which um, happens when there's like conflicts or there's not um, an availability for that person to go into the county PD office or maybe they don't have um, a public defense office in that community, depending on where, you know, the defendant lives. Um, Kayla, please jump in at any point. I feel like well, I'm just doing like the worst small... job at explaining what no, a public no, 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 defender no. is. Yeah. No, that was great. I guess I'm just kind of like, curious about your personal opinion like regarding yeah. what model would be better ideally because i think about like a public defense office and i mean i think that you have an incentive to close cases quickly in the sense that you're already freaking drowning and you're getting new cases left and right um, and then I think about, well, maybe it would be better like to do like the, the uh, more kind of contract model where private attorneys are billing hourly because perhaps then they'd be more incentivized to like spend more time on the case. But then it's like, maybe they would just end up prioritizing private case. I don't know. I'm just wondering about like, if you've thought about this and like what your opinion is, if, if you I'm have a- one. I'm a firm believer in that PD offices are incredibly important and um, that the most amount, the vast majority of cases should go through a PD office. Um, I do think that the private model is important for like conflicts or maybe having like, you know, um, 
a different office that just solely does criminal defense, but then takes contra- uh, conflict cases instead of, you know, private attorneys getting contracted for conflict cases. Um, but the, why I think PD offices matter, um, yes, they are underfunded, but, um, you know, they have typically more resources than if somebody were to just go to a private defense attorney. Um, even though they're billing hourly, maybe they can't cover their overhead by taking this um, indigent defense contract. Um, also, when you have a PD office, you know, as it should be, I think you have not only the attorney that's working on the case, but usually an entire other staff of PDs. So um, I think my clients benefit from the collective knowledge in my office. Um, we have investigators in our office. We have a social worker in our office. All of these things that, you know, hopefully a, a, a private defense attorney or somebody who's taking a, a con- conflict case or, you know, is just court appointed also has. But um, public defense offices, it's the government is, you know, needs to provide those things to a county office. Um, or that's my argument and my thought. Um, but I really think that to answer your question, Kayla, and I think that's kind of the issue is that the problems with public defense at the moment are that there really isn't like a perfect model because it's such an imperfect system. Um, and, you know, that the right to an attorney is based in case law. Um, it's a, such a patchwork system as is the entire criminal um, system as we know it. So it's kind of a mess. Um, and... <sighs> that's the problem. And then there's just a shortage. There truly is a shortage of people that want to do indigent work. And what I mean by indigent work is like people who want to assist those who qualify for a court-appointed attorney. Um, So like I said, it's usually based on poverty standards. Um, And it's not just that there's a shortage of people that work in public defender's offices. It's that there's a shortage of, of attorneys that want to do the work that sign up for the public defense roster in their state. So, um, for example, in the state of Idaho, you know, there's thousands of attorneys. And if you go online and look at the public defense roster, there's only 435 of us that are are on the public defense roster, um, which means that we can take um, indigent cases. So there's... Um, you know, most of those people work in public defense offices. You'll see my name on there. Yay. Um, you'll see where I work. Cool. Um, but you'll see, you know, other attorneys that work in their own private offices that have their name on that public defense roster. And honestly, like, that's the thing that I'm the most proud of is that my name is on that roster. I'm only one of 435 people that are on that roster. And I take that very seriously. But I'm also really mad, back to the being mad at the world thing, that there's only 434 other people in my state that want to walk through fire with me. And, um, and so that's the problem. It's not just that there's like a, you know, this, the structure of it because Idaho's redoing their public defense structure. Um, a lot of states are, you know, trying to figure out how to problem solve the issue of, you know, caseload, the amount of people that just can't afford an attorney because shocker, hiring an attorney is expensive. So, um, yeah, it's just... My problem is that there's just not that many people that want to do it. Um, I saw... Um, let me pull it up, Kayla. Give me one second. Well, well, actually, I was kind of 
I have a couple of things here. So yeah, go ahead. I completely share your frustration in terms of the need. But I do think it's important to remember that like the work fucking sucks and the system's broken. And I guess I just like personally in my own like little inner dialogue, think about like being a martyr versus like living my own life. You know what I mean? And I think that there are like different ways to serve your community. If you find that like, you know, I love that you're so passionate right now. And you're just like reminding me so much of like Kayla from three years ago, who (laughs) just like loved Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson and was just ready to like fucking fuck shit up. And, and I did, and I did a great job, but like, mental health is a thing, you know, and we're going to talk, talk about that a little bit in a little bit here regarding public defenders. But I mean, you got to take care of yourself. And if there is ever a time where you're like, I I can't do this, like I am drowning, I really hope that you can embrace the pivot and take a break if you need it. That's okay, too. And it doesn't make you any less of a hero. Like, yeah. Basically, I'm just saying, like, it's okay if you ever want to stop. And I hope that if that time ever comes, you don't feel like a failure or like any less of essentially a civil rights advocate is what criminal defense attorneys are, in my opinion. Um, Uh, I agree with that. You got to just take care of yourself. Like, yeah, attorneys kill themselves, you know? That's, I mean, that's We've got super a lot true. Of issues. You're, you are not wrong. So, I mean, the issues are, the issues are the following. I mean, going back to like what we know, we know that criminal cases take up the criminal and juvenile t- cases take up the most amount of filings in state courts. Um, and so, you know, most and of the, oh, go ahead. Also, um, 80% of all criminal defendants need public defenders. I also saw this wild statistic. So just like, did you already read my notes? No, but I think we're doing that okay, scene again no. where we hit the same points. So keep going. Oh, okay. We're vibing. Well, well, okay. So well, I was going to ask you um, to guess how much money we spend on the criminal justice system. But is that in your research and you already know? No, tell me. Oh, no. Guess. I how much money we spend on, like, on a, a national yeah. scale? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the honest answer is not enough. But um, I feel like if we're spending less on... <laughs> okay, well, this, oh. this is going to have two parts, okay? So first, okay. I okay. want you to guess what the total much amount we spend, like, in the billions. Hint, it's in the billions. It um, should be. <laughs> and then also... What percentage of those billions is spent on criminal defense? Audience, I'll give you a moment to consider. Ooh, oh, so the amount of... Okay, wait, wait, wait. So the first question is how much money is spent on um, the criminal the justice, criminal justice system, system generally? What percentage is that including is that like cost of jails defense? and stuff? I don't know, homie. I don't have that many oh, things. Oh, God. It has to be like hundreds <laughs> of... It, it's probably like 
tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars. Give it a number. Let's let's hear it. $50 billion. $265 billion no. on the criminal justice system. No. I'm ready for the percentage no. on criminal defense, baby. Let's hear it. 2%. You're fucking right, bitch! Uh, yes! Hey, hey, hey. 2%! That's you see, just, that, you've been in the game long enough to. I know. To know. Oh my god! <laughs> no. Yes. Oh my god. Um, prosecutors no. make more money. We know that. Know? <laughs> I know. I don't that. know. I had I had a little that. moment with a prosecutor <laughs> this week where um, we were fighting about a bond forfeiture resolution, um, which basically, effectually operates as you know somebody pays a bond forfeiture so it's kind of like a fine but not really a fine and basically it allows for the case to be dismissed so it's like an alternative way of like kind of resolving some cases so you resolve via bond forfeiture it doesn't happen with like some cases but you know sometimes we can get a bond forfeiture resolution what type of cases would those happen on i have been able to get a bond forfeiture i think the main my first bond forfeiture I got was on a um, <laughs> uh, fishing and wildlife uh, case. That sounds civil. That's fair. Uh, well, it's you know, I live in Northern Idaho. Well, I work in Northern Idaho. So civil is maybe not the right word when you're talking about things that are done towards fishing game in the state of Idaho. People get very heated about it. But um, I've tried and I know other attorneys I think have had success with it with some um, like paraphernalia cases, stuff like that. Um, I'm I'm trying to negotiate one on a case right now for a paraphernalia charge. But so I was fighting with this prosecutor in court and he was like, said something about, you know, not getting paid enough money to like, you know, be having the argument that we were having. And I just looked at him and I was like, and I do? Like, I'm getting paid enough money for this? And... You should have seen the look on the bailiff's face. I'm so fucking face. proud of you, dude. You should I have seen the that. look on the bailiff's face because Ugh. it's no secret. It's no, it's no secret that prosecutors get paid more than than public defenders. Um, at least public defenders that work in a PD office. You know, there's some people who are private attorneys and they take indigent contracts and they make a really good living for themselves. Shout out to certain counties who do make an effort to match the prosecutor's salaries. I, I believe that Yes, I know, Woo. right? I, I, I was shook. So Mike Murphy. I, I, Woo. I know. I, I think, I think it's a rarity. It shouldn't be. Yeah, it's hard work. I agree. I agree. Take it home with you. Um, we just cried about it. <laughs> you were um, talking statistics, and I want to go back to what I was saying about. I have some shocking statistics for you now. Ooh, so it's yes, I guess ready. game. Okay, so. Um, let's go back to the state where we went to law school and let's go to Oregon. Um, how many resident attorneys, this is from, um, I believe this article was written this year. It's this, I found this article in the Harvard Law Review. Um, it's dated 2023. Um, and, and the article is titled Reframing the Indigent Defense Crisis. And the article is written by John Gross. I hope I'm saying his name properly, but, um, how many attorneys, resident attorneys, do you think live in the state of Oregon? Did you say there were four or 5,000 in Idaho? I actually didn't pull how many thousands there were in <laughs> Idaho, but um, I, I was just go- talking about mm-hmm. the hundreds of um, 
attorneys that are on the defense roster. So how many thousands of attorneys do you think are resident attorneys in the state of Oregon? 5,000. So this study from the ABA profile of the legal profession lists Oregon as having 12,158 resident attorneys. Wow. Um, And guess how many attorneys in the state of Oregon work in indigent defense? 500. Ooh, close. 592. So if you break that into a percentage, it means that only 4.9% of the attorneys in Oregon work full-time in indigent defense. And then it's similar in New Mexico. Let's play this game again. Uh, Guess how many resident attorneys are in the state of New Mexico? 13,000. No, there's 5,612 resident attorneys in New Mexico. And guess how many work in full-time public defense? Oh, gosh, I'm scared. 250? 295. So um, 5.3% of the attorneys in New Mexico work full-time in indigent defense. Holy shit. Yeah. When you think about our freaking thriving criminal justice system and the fact that 80% of criminal defendants need a public defender, that is freaking wild. It's shocking, isn't it? Um, so, so let's go back to Oregon. Um, I find Oregon to be kind of an interesting case study on, on this topic, not only because it was, was it coming to a boil when I was in Oregon? Um, our law school had a clinic, um, a public or a um, criminal defense clinic. So we got to, if you're in that clinic, um, you can, you know, work in the public defense office and shadow and do all sorts of stuff like that. I had the opportunity of doing that. Um, around that time, there was, you know, some national spotlight happening on Oregon's um, public defense crisis. And so it was it's it's fascinating to me because I lived it and I was around people that were, you know, experiencing this outrage and this this light on their their daily lives and their professions and being around people that showed up for work every single day despite the tremendous amount out of strain on them um, was truly inspiring. And I'm I'm incredibly proud of those people that I got to watch do the thing because now I'm doing it in part because of them. And so, and I have so many friends that still work in public defense in Oregon. So if any of them listen to this, massive shout out to you because I left Oregon. Not that Idaho is any better, but at the time, like a study came out that said Oregon has a third of the public defenders that they need for the caseload in the state of Oregon. Also, it said that I think with the defense, with the attorneys they have now, they would have to work, I think, 26 hours a day in order to actually manage the need in the community, um, which is crazy. The ABA report recommended, as I mentioned, there were all these you know, findings from this report about what was going on in Oregon. And it said that Oregon would need to um, employ an additional 1,296 attorneys just to handle the criminal cases in the state at the moment, which is <laughs> insane. So, um, you know, considering they only have over 12,000 resident attorneys, they would need to hire like, you know, over 1,200 more just to tackle the criminal caseload in that state at the moment, which is insane to think about. And then, you know, back to your question, Kayla, about, you know, or not question, but point about salary. Last year, the average annual salary um, for public defenders was $59,700. But, and and this 
other study from the National Association of Law, Law Placement found that that had increased from the 2004 entry-level public defender salary. And I should say that that number that I previously stated was for the entry-level salary. In 2004, that number was an annual salary of $39,000. So it had increased. But the interesting thing about that study was that it pointed out that if you were to consider the increase in the consumer price index, um, public defender salaries have actually decreased over time. Um, so it's not only just, you know, I talk about people not having value in our work, but really it's just the system doesn't have a lot of value in the work. Like it's not investing in public defense and public defender salary and public defenders. So back to your point, Kayla, about not being a martyr, people who graduate with law degrees have a lot of debt and, you know, they're not getting paid to, and, you know, oftentimes they have families or whatever. And if they're not getting paid the money that they need in order to cover their own livelihood, like, public defense is not a realistic out, an option for them. Um, and, you know, for me, I, you know, I get paid pretty well in my office. I think I've shared that on, on here before, but um, I'm also, you know, single. I don't have kids. I don't, you know, I don't have some of the other options that people have to factor in when they're accepting a job. So public defense truly is just not a realistic job opportunity for some people, depending on their circumstances. And I'm not blind to that fact. It's just... Um, unfortunate that, you know, maybe people, some people want to do public defense and they, it's just not realistic for the things they have to consider in accepting a job. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point too. Speaking of us vibing, I also had some notes here about Oregon. I was watching a Vice documentary. It was actually really, really interesting. And it showed footage of basically just like this lawyer, public defender, presumably was up at the podium And these people who were in custody were just coming out like one by one. And every time he would say the same thing, basically he, uh, what did he say? He argued for dismissal based on the fact that they had a constitutional right to an attorney and no attorney was available and he requests dismissal. And then over and over again, you you know, you hear him recite, recite the same spiel, Again, these are like incarcerated people, oh, like yeah. straight up oh, yeah. spending time in jail with no because lawyer. They don't that have, is so I want, wild. I want to get to that point too. So I'm so glad you're going in this direction because this is the part that is so disturbing about this. Like, I don't think it people understand really is how disturbing. the shortage actually plays out for clients or people that should be clients, right? So thank you for going to, you know, the other side of it, like why this is a problem. So it's c- scary. It's I mean, terrifying. You're literally in jail because you cannot get an attorney and one is supposed to be provided to you. How hopeless would you feel? And like these people, the judge isn't like hearing these people out. It's just like, I mean, my impression is that this same thing has happened over and over again. And these people have been sitting in there. I mean, I'm sure for various times, but like some people for a significant time, presumably. And the judge... I mean, this particular judge was basically just like, there's no actual prejudice, no actual prejudice, no dismissal, go back to jail. Um, this was an yeah. arraignment, dude. These people are, yeah. Oh my gosh. So like so you were they saying, Oregon. Found, they, they haven't even found, <sighs> oh, continue, sorry. I don't, no, yeah. it's, um, yeah. So I had here that, or the Vice documentary told me that Oregon has 31% of the public defenders that it needs. Yeah. It's like a, third. Um, mm-hmm. a huge backlog due to the pandemic. 
Yeah. And basically like different judges just are, are dealing with it differently. Um, some like that judge that I, I saw in the documentary is like, you know, whatever, there's no prejudice, go back to jail. Others are mm-hmm. dismissing it without prejudice, which means that the state could refile at a later time. Um, mm-hmm. And dude, other judges, this fucking was pissed me off so much. Tell me. We're... <sighs> the tea girl threatening to hold public defenders in contempt for not taking more cases above their caseload stop because that's the answer incarcerate them too (laughs) like you know what you're just not working hard enough you're not working hard straight up kim kardashian told us that we need to get up and go to work don't hate on kim k you know i love him but yeah she was talking about public defenders apparently (laughs) She she would love pub- she's a public defender stand, I'm sure. She's all about criminal justice reform, right? Right now. I know um, she is, but it just I'm sorry, it was no, funny. Like you know, fair. the people yeah, that need fair. to get to work. We're we're working our asses off, but sure, why don't we work a little bit harder? <laughs> I mean, same vibe. Yeah, dude. They're just like these public defenders need to just like increase their capacity to take on more cases. That's crazy. That is crazy. I was reading about, you know, how this plays out for incarcerated folks as well. I found this article. It's from December of 2022. And it was talking about um, what was going on in Wisconsin. So there was a class action lawsuit filed in August. um, I think probably either 2020. I think it says filed this past August. So I'm assuming August 2022. Um, claims that the problem has created a backlog of 35,000 criminal cases. Um, the lawsuit alleges um, that in Green Bay, or no, in Brown County alone, which includes the area of Green Bay, the lawsuit alleges approximately 350 defendants were in need of a public defender represented days. All of them were not convicted of any crimes at that time, and many of them claimed that they were innocent. Um, it goes on to tell the story about um, this 18-year-old Marco, um, and he was a teen living in Wisconsin Rapids. He was arrested in connection with um, an armed robbery. Um, it tells some details about his case, um, his bail was set at $25,000. Um, he couldn't afford an attorney. Um, his family called the PD's office every day asking for a lawyer. Um, and, um, it talks about how, let me scroll down. It says the Wisconsin state public defender office, public defender's office said that the agency staff made approximately 300 calls and emails to private attorneys certified to take public defense cases, but the office could not find him, um, a lawyer in time for his court date. The the and and I should have at the outset taught you know said um, right. and, Addie, and so did now, you say what he was charged with? He was charged in connection with an armed robbery. Okay, sorry, um, and I should have said at the outset that um I should have given a little bit of a you know trigger warning. Um this case has a really tragic outcome because um this man ended up taking his own life. Um, and answers would have been better um, if he had had, you know, an attorney with him in court. They don't think that that 
would have happened to him. Um, and um, it's really sad. So it's not only that people can sit in jail, but Kayla, to your point, like, you know, losing hope, it being re- accused of doing something, but they're sitting, not having, you know, their opportunity to really get any assistance in their case. Um, and and it has really serious consequences in people's lives. Um, and and the thing that was so disturbing about this was that um, I guess that that, uh, that gentleman's case happened, I believe, like four or so years ago. And then now this article that was written in 2022 says that, you know, in the aftermath of that, the problem hadn't gotten any better and it's just gotten worse. And um, it said that uh, the public defender's office in Wisconsin experienced a 20% vacancy rate for trial attorneys. About one third of the private bar attorneys also left the certification list, I think, after the pandemic. Um, And so it's just public defense in everywhere is just completely unstable um, and unsustainable at this time. So yeah, and then, you know, it also has other breakdowns of things that are really serious. I mean, we know that um, incarceration is disproportionate towards, you know, racial breakdown. Um, And so think about how that's also playing out in terms of other very serious issues in our country at this time. Um, And so... I mean, yeah, thinking about how that could interact with some other, like, crazy shit going on in this country right now. Yeah. Yeah. I have been like tripping over Florida's wild laws lately. Yeah. Like who isn't? <laughs> I mean, listen, I get I get that like people who commit sexual battery against children are not a very sympathetic class of people, but I find it right. very troubling anytime the government is trying to extend its authority to be able to fucking kill people like yeah that's yeah yeah i'm sorry and like yeah we should i don't even want to know what the public defender situation in florida is like but it's like you just added a whole bunch of other people who were like are potentially looking at the freaking death penalty and like this is a you know, the crisis really is like the only word. It's like, it's a dumpster fire. Like the yeah. people who are in the profession, like, like, listen, I'm sure that there are some people who have like very minimal mental health issues. Maybe, maybe they don't have a lot of trauma from their past. Maybe, I don't know. They're just like way stronger than I am and can just do this for their whole career and love it. But like, it's hard fucking work. And if you have any kind of mental health issues or like, like trauma, it's fucking triggering. And yeah. you're not being paid enough. Like there's just so yeah. much conflict. Like you get fucking abused. Mm-hmm. I don't know, dude. I think, you know, to connect the dots on a couple of things you said and like back to the point of like people are just stuck in jail because of the um shortage and the crisis. Um, back to Oregon, it says apparently from when this article was written, which um, I believe was January 2023, um, from a uh, newspaper out of Missoula, Montana, I believe, um, it said that uh, over 750 people daily from mid-August through December needed an attorney but couldn't get one. Um, and about 6%, this is in Oregon, 
about 6% of those folks were in jail. There was, um, and, and, you know, stories about other people. There was a gentleman named Richard Smith who waited for more than 40 days for an attorney in Coos County. Um, that's back in Oregon. He was accused of burglary and unauthorized use of a vehicle. Further explaining how that plays out for incarcerated folks, people lose get evicted from their home all the time when they're incarcerated for long periods of time. They lose their job. You know, the longer you sit in jail, the more just stuff stacks up and people's lives really do start collapsing on them. Yeah. And so it then just becomes an even bigger mess for, you know, public defenders usually to untangle. We wear more hats than just being people's attorneys. We are people's access points to housing, treatment, counseling, all sorts of stuff. And so when they've sat in jail for a longer period of time, they have more needs that they're needing help with other than just their legal issue. And so their attorney is kind of becoming this person that has to, you know, help them get access to the things that they're needing. And straight up, like, great if you have the time to do that. Right. But like, if you're probably like most public defenders, like, as much as you would love to help them with that stuff, like, you just got handed a bunch of new cases and they have court tomorrow and they're in jail too. So what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I guess like closing out, like, I don't really know what the solution is. I don't know if they're, I mean, the solution, you know, invest in public defense. Every attorney who has the ability to take on um, a couple you know, indigent cases or, you know, get on the roster and has an interest in criminal law. And, you know, I really strongly advocate for that. But I really think the issue is that there's just too many crimes on the books. And so it's not so much an issue of... They go hand in hand. There's a shortage of public defenders. There is an underinvestment in public defense. But we live in an overly prosecuted country. We know mm-hmm. this. People yeah. get rid of the amount of charges and the amount of just crimes you're, you know, handing out to people and address those through alternative <laughs> measures. I think Oregon's trying to do that, um, was my impression of some of the stuff that was going on there. And we also, you know, live in a it would be a very different picture if there was less prosecution in this country. But I don't know if I say that with the understanding of like, that is a very um, rose-colored glasses take on how I wish the world worked. I wish that less people were prosecuted. You know, drugs. We've talked about that, you know, just that the over-prosecution of drugs leads to so much of this mess and other crimes. And actually, you know, a lot of criminal cases are property crimes. So it's just, it's it's insane. And so... um, Can I cut in here real quick? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So you from what I understand, and like for anyone listening, again, like I have no background in law. I don't know anything other than what I'm being told on this podcast. <laughs> you guys were just talking about how someone comes in, they get booked, and they come to you. Yeah. You're kind of like their lifeline in a sense. It sounds yeah. like you're kind of like their last hope. <laughs> and then you're also known as being like their counsel. And when I was thinking about you know this topic and how this has been going from an outsider's perspective, it's like there there's just so many mental health things that just keep coming up in my brain. Yeah. 
And I'm like, you guys are their counsel. And it's like, is there training in school to how to like be someone's kind of their therapist as well as their no. Like, is there any of that? Dude. No. Okay. No. Well, then, and then the to flip the question, yeah. like, how do you guys deal with mental health in this profession? Like, what? So other, like, our clients' mental health? No, yours. Like, um, well, that's so here's the problem with it. So, our own mental health, it's so hard because. We want to put on our brave faces as attorneys. Also, we don't really have the opportunity or um, option really of discussing some of the stuff that we just can't talk about because of client confidentiality. Many state bars have resources like the attorney assistant program or stuff like that so that other attorneys are helping attorneys in the profession and it can you know keep some of that confidentiality. So many attorneys, I read this article actually that were talking about like, you know, they're realizing it's really having this impact on them. So they'll they'll try to go to therapy and maybe they have benefits or insurance to to do that. And you're talking to usually a healthcare professional who knows nothing about the law or this work. And maybe they, especially for criminal defense attorneys, will be like, Well, how can you represent that person? That's what this article specifically said. And it said, Nothing turns them away from seeking out more help than somebody asking that. And so it's just, it's so hard because we, we, you know, we talk about it in law school, you get talked to in law school that you are going to struggle in this profession, regardless of, you know, they just say attorneys in general struggle with all these different things like substance use, depression, law students struggle with the same stuff at a really disturbing rate. really high rate like we are like in the top professions for like having some major fucking issues dude and that's just attorneys generally now you're going yeah. into criminal defense where you have to be an attorney and you also have to be reading a lot of fucked up shit and yeah. talking to some people who fucking hate you and are sexist yeah. and think you're stupid and you're fighting with prosecutors and it's yeah. just I mean, I guess, Clark, like, my answer is that me taking care of my mental health was kind of getting out of the profession. Mm. Like, yeah. like, like making this pivot to, to the civil side. Sure. And that's not to say that I don't have a passion for criminal defense. Like, I know I did a really good job and I absolutely love some of my former clients. But I think it's, I think both things are brave. Like, Addie, yeah. I think you going out there and doing the struggle and doing the thing is brave. And I think that if you have to make a pivot to take care of yourself, that's brave too. And that's okay. Totally. I guess that number is very staggering to me that you mentioned earlier. What was it? $250 billion? $265 billion, 2% of that criminal defense. Yeah. And then it, just like with a number that big, it's like, why can't there also be more assistance to criminal defense and defense attorneys for getting mental health or like support, you know, like it's just, it's just so messed up to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I think they're trying. And Clark, to your point, like, I really think that it is important to have staff in um, public defense offices that take some of that emotional part of the job, um, at, at least help with some of the heavy lifting. 
My office has a social worker. Um, my understanding is that only two offices in the state of Idaho, only two PD offices in the state of Idaho have an in-house social worker. My office is one of them. That is beyond just deplorable to me. There should be more than one social worker in my office and there should be a social worker in every PD office in the country. Those people are trained to help with some of the pieces of it that we really struggle with, like how to get people the help that they they need. Like those people know parts about the stuff that's heavy that we don't because, you know, I got a law degree. I didn't get a degree in, you know, all these other things that my cases require of me. Sure. I, I don't have this. And and those things are the stuff that's heavy on me is like the stuff that's heavy on me is like when I have moments where I'm like, I don't know how to help people because I do this job to help people. And so when I feel stuck like I can't make something better. That's the part that's really heavy on me emotionally. I think some states are trying to invest more in certain aspects of the job, but there's just so many ways that there could be, it could be made better and it's just not. And it, you know, yes, of course it comes down to money, but it's just that I don't think people understand from, you know, at least people in positions of power, such as like, you know, government officials that make the decisions that are, leaps in above my pay rate and my pay scale and my job who are making decisions about my job don't understand the day-to-day pieces of this that would make the job easier or make or help deal with parts of the issue. And um, attorney mental health is... I just think mental health for everybody, for our clients, for just normal people outside of the criminal justice system, like mental health is so central to just problems of the world. Um, but when it's, you know, at an exacerbated scale, such as with incarcerated people that not getting addressed, like, you know, people in jail, their mental health is not getting addressed while they're in jail. And then to put those people around other people, like their attorneys or whoever else is involved in their life, like that bleeds over into the people that interact with them. I think it's, again, to like, you know, there's elephants in the room of like the things that go on to to the underlying themes of of this work. And so I think it's an important thing to talk about. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of why we created this podcast too, yeah. was like, to just be real about what it's like, and to yeah. kind of build that camaraderie. Because like you were saying, like, attorneys, you know, they want to put on their best face. We don't really get to talk about this stuff. I think it's important. And just with the with the grace of like, you know, the tone we would be coming from is just very much amateur hour <laughs> and very much just like, hey, we are not mental health professionals. But that in mind, here's some things that we have learned with the grace and grain of salt that like are complete. I don't have a degree in anything that is carries weight with with uh, understanding all of the aspects of mental health. But we can also talk about like how many defendants, you know, like statistically are affected by mental health issues. And I know in Washington state, we have um, like when attorneys file a request for a competency evaluation, Mm -hmm. there's a crisis going on right now where there are not enough doctors to evaluate people. So people are sitting in jail waiting for an evaluation for much longer than they should be. Yeah, just more fucking bullshit. It's depressing. I would just like to, I guess, end my piece on this podcast tonight on is that there are so many just travesties um, 
in my line of work and in, you know, the legal profession as a whole. But the, and, you know, as much as I feel like a loser at the end of the day, because, you know, I'm not getting the, you know, compensation or whatever it else may be for the things that I feel like I deserve as a public defender. And like, neither are my colleagues. The thing that gets me to work every single morning is that I'm not the loser at the end of the day. My clients are like, I'm just, I'm losing because they're being downtrodden. And like, I'm just, I'm just the person, I'm the bulletproof vest. Like I'm shielding them from the bullshit, but like, they're really taking people are aiming at them and we're just like the shield in the way of that you know and so we're getting the shit that we don't deserve and we deserve so much more as public defenders but we are not the people that are really getting hurt by the problems here and i just want people to know that like yes it sucks for me but it's not it's not my like my pain is relative to the the people that are really getting hurt here. So all suffering is suffering, my friend. Yeah, but it's relative, you know. Like I, my suffering is a result of the the suffering that's being cast on the people that I represent. So, well, um, listeners, we we love you guys. Love yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And um, I don't know what are we gonna cheers to. Cheers to. I don't know. I think we should cheers to um, hope. And I think we should cheers to the incredible people that do this work. Absolutely. And I think that we should make a toast to, you know, there's always silver linings in, in being an attorney. And Kayla, I hope your new adventures provide those silver linings and um, they give me hope on my own. And to whatever we want to talk about next, cheers to that. Hopefully it will be a little bit lighter, but just as insightful and honest and fun. So cheers. Cheers.